0: Welcome to my home. Enter freely of your own will and leave some of the happiness you bring. Count Dracula? I am Dracula. And I bid you welcome, Mr. Harker, to my house. Come here.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Episode 5 of The Horror Cast. We're a bi-weekly podcast that reviews one older horror movie with spoilers and one newer movie without spoilers. We also provide some horror news, release dates, and occasionally some convention details. We're recording this episode on Wednesday, February 24th. This episode will be reviewing 1992's Bram Stoker's Dracula and 2015's Extraordinary Tales. I'm Mark Nado, filling in for Walshy, who who's unable to be with us today. I'm broadcasting from my man cave in Maryland. Uh, he will return in episode six. Joining me tonight, as always, from sunny California, YouTube Zone Horror Gal. What's up, Horror Gal?
2: Hey, I'm doing great, Mark Nado. How are you doing? I am ready to do this.
1: I'm doing great. We missed you last uh, last time, and I wanted to let you have just a just a, a few minutes because last week. They were your picks and you could not make it.
2: I know. I know. So So, it was Deathgasm and Demons and I really loved both of those movies. So I was bummed that I was unable to be there to talk about them uh, because Deathgasm was my favorite movie of 2015. I really – I just really enjoyed everything about it the transitions the the story the characters i you know i just thought it was really well done and it was really fun too so it had the horror it had the gore it had the comedy so it had all the elements that i like and then demons to me is kind of you know an 80s classic so you can't you can't really go wrong and they're kind of similar in in uh some some of the stylizing of it so I, I was really bummed not to be able to be there, but I do love both those movies and give them really good scores. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, well, we definitely missed your perspective and your point of view, and we appreciate you with those two movies, picking those two movies, because they were great to review. And even though our next guest tonight, since Walsh, not able to be here, I called up Creepy Keith, who was with us last episode, and he's uh, going to join us here again today. He didn't like Demons. I'm, back. I'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry susan he didn't like demons oh. uh he loved death Deathgasm death Chasm was awesome yes hey. but uh how you doing
3: tonight keith i'm doing great and i greatly appreciate you inviting me back again i, I was thinking after last episode that uh never i wouldn't be called back anytime soon so this is a, <laughs> a, a pleasant surprise and the first time being on with Susan, which has uh, been listening for a long time since you guys were on the other podcast and, and now the, the horror cast. So this is, like she said, this is going to be a fun episode.
1: Well, good thing is, man, you work for free. Yes, so, uh, so. that's right. So
3: it works both ways. So if I do bad, I'm working for free. So yes.
1: And and I do have something else to tell you, Susan. Keith hates Uh-oh. Prince of Darkness. Uh-oh. <laughs> no. Come so, on.
2: Not even, not even any bonus points for, for Donald Pleasance.
1: Yes. Cool or, points for Donald Pleasance.
2: Cool, yeah, cool Alice points. Cooper. And Alice Cooper. That's where I was going next. Yeah. Yeah. and and the bicycle kill based off of alice cooper's stage microphone stand that's,
3: yeah that's what um martin oh, was saying yeah but okay. so that was that was cool but they didn't let uh alice have any talking parts that was the only downside of it
2: yeah yeah
3: yeah, yeah. but i'm well, a big well, alice cooper fan too you cool, know, cool.
1: to each their own but uh, well, exactly. but, but well, keith, and, and but keith you're wrong that. no no i don't respect it you don't respect it he's wrong he's
3: been waiting for this by the way go ahead susan i think you're trying to say something
2: i i respect that you are not a fan of prince of darkness but i i don't i disagree (laughs) and like mark nato said Uh while i respect it you're Uh wrong
3: that's (laughs) right that's great
1: well, I just uh, wanted to say before we get going here today, uh, thank you so much to to all of our listeners. We've been going now. This is episode five. We've been going for about 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 a month, month and a week, and um, we just hit uh, five hundred individual subscribers, which I think is great in just a month, and uh, gotten a lot of feedback on iTunes. We have eleven. Uh, iTunes reviews all five stars. Thank you so much. Uh, just wanted to point these two out. It says, uh, Good Stuff by T. Raygun. Heard about this through the Horror Amino app, which I believe you set up, Horror Gal.
2: I sure did. So yes. go and check us out on Horror Amino. Um, I'm still learning this app so unfortunately I can't really tell you how to exactly go to the horrorcast page that I set up except to tell you that if you search under users for horror gal Susan um, you will see the the button right underneath my picture for the horrorcast and just click that and go there and as I get more familiar with the app which I think is fabulous because it's for All of us horror fans, you don't have to weed through a million profiles. Everyone that downloads this app is already a horror fan. So you're already, you know, eliminating a lot of headache with this app. It's great. I will be posting links and updates and things on that page as well. So if you go in, click the little heart to like it, and um, we will really be getting things going with it here within the next week or two.
1: Awesome. 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 Uh, also says, listen to the first episode with my wife. See husband and wife listening to our podcast. Awesome. They listened to it on a drive earlier and we both enjoyed it enough so that we would pause the podcast to talk about the movies you mentioned instead of talking over the host. And that's the whole thing. We want to get you talking. We want to get you um, having a conversation. So glad to hear that. And then um, another five-star review it says great podcast by Strangeland." underscore BLS love listening to this great podcast. I enjoy the high energy and the passion that they have for horror movies. Great job. Keep up the great work. So thank you so much uh, for those reviews. Anybody who uh, listens and really likes our episodes and likes uh, uh, what we do, just do us a favor. This is the biggest thing you can do for us. Go to iTunes and just give us a review. And hopefully that review will be a five-star review because however many uh, a five-star the more five-star reviews we get the more visible we are to people who are looking for podcasts uh we might uh, even pop up on the front page there of new and noteworthy Uh, if someone types in horror podcast we want to be one of the first ones to come up so uh, do that for us and we would greatly greatly appreciate it right guys
2: absolutely and we will try to give you a shout out as well
1: (laughs) we will i mean anytime that you do a review on itunes or any place we'll read it we'll read it on the air and and say thank you so all right so right now we're just going to take a tiny 30 second break and when we come back we're going to talk what's in your mailbox (laughs) We're back. So, what's in your mailbox? What have you guys been watching uh, besides for Dracula and Extraordinary Tales, Susan? What have you been watching lately?
2: Uh, I watched the movie Suck. If you're familiar with that, Suck. Uh, Alice <laughs> Cooper's in that, isn't yes, he? Yes, Alice I Cooper is it. in that. As I we re- seen
1: it. were, I have never heard about, of it.
2: Yes, we're speaking about our our um, love of Alice Cooper earlier, and yes. it is basically a horror comedy. Um, it also has Malcolm McDowell. Um, it's just, it's, it's a cool, fun movie. Um, I also have been watching some old Elvira stuff, uh, Legacy of Blood and Devil's Wedding Night, um, obviously at Valentine's Day, uh, the original My Bloody Valentine from 81 and the remake from 2009. And the one thing that I that I picked up that I have not actually gotten to watch yet I think is like the only John Carpenter thing I've never seen which is called Cigarette Burns and oh, I don't yeah. know if you guys have seen it but I actually had never seen that before.
1: I believe so, isn't that um from the Masters of Horror?
2: Yeah, it is.
1: I think was but, that on Showtime? Yeah, sorry. I think so.
2: Yeah, so I had actually never seen that so I've picked it up but I have not gotten to see it yet and um I did pick up the Blu-ray of Slumber Party Massacre and watched that at like four thirty in the morning and that Blu-ray from Scream Factory was awesome. So I recommend that. And um, I think that's about it that I can think of off the top of my head for this, this week, week and a half.
1: All right. Creepy Keith, you've been watching anything? I know I know you haven't been watching any horror.
3: Well, you know, we <laughs> talked about it last time that I, I did buy a couple of titles. See, I'm more of a comedy person, but I like comedy horror mostly out of the horror genre. Then you've got to
2: see Suck. You have All to. Right. Alice Cooper is not it, too.
3: I will take your recommendation on it and have to check that out. And then um, – I've been wanting – not that it's so much a horror movie per se, but that Stephen King wrote it, and they're doing that uh, 11 2263 on Hulu right now. So that's another thing that I want to get ready to dive into. And then also I noticed on – I don't know if Netflix has all of them or uh, Hulu does, but between both of them, I've, I've noticed they got some Friday the 13th titles on there that I've been wanting to check out. Go back and revisit those.
1: Oh, yeah. You got to go back and, and watch them all, man. Go watch yeah. them all. All right. Well, for me personally, I've, I've watched three movies that are horror related. Uh, the first one is a sort of like a, a found footage type movie. It's called Hangman. Huh. And uh, I don't want to say too much except for I enjoy the movie. It's creepy. Do they and- have that on premium cable? Yes, that's right, buddy. I have premium cable. Keith doesn't have premium cable. Um,
3: Inside joke. Listen to last episode. But uh,
1: that's definitely one I'll be talking about on a, on another episode. So I don't want to say too much about it. I watched uh, a movie on VOD called Southbound. And this is a, a horror anthology. Five different stories of people that are out on this stretch of road and uh, or s- southbound. And it just... It is really good. I like horror anthologies. Uh, I like where each individual uh, story lasts for 10-15 minutes and they do a great job of connecting all of the the stories. And I think I think maybe the person who was behind one of the VHSs had a little something to do with this. I really really enjoyed this movie. It's got some really good gore in it. There's kind of like a like a a, a cult type uh, vignette there's a, a, a vignette called accident where a guy hits a girl with a car um, there there's just you know it's really good and I think that you'll really like it and it it goes some places that you don't even expect it to go so I would really uh, recommend checking out southbound and then the last thing I, I I watched I've been waiting and waiting and waiting to go see the witch at the theaters and I saw it and I all I can say, I, I promised Walshy that I would wait uh, for him to come back because um, he wants to see it again. He saw it at a, at a festival and he he wants to see it again and re, um, you know, re-familiarize himself with it before we get into it. But all I can say is I loved that movie. Uh, it's creepy. It's something that, to me, stays with you. I have been thinking about this movie like every day since I watched it. I will say this though, even though it's a recommend for me, if you are a person who really likes slashers and, and nonstop action and all that, you might not like this movie at all. You might think it's boring. You might think, you know, nothing happens, but personally my taste, uh, I absolutely loved it. So is that I like recommend Prince of Darkness. Oh, it I'm <laughs> I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you, it makes Prince of Darkness uh-huh. look like Cherry Falls. Have you ever seen that movie? You know, mm. like a nineties, you know, throwaway uh. slasher. But I just it was just a creepy movie. Like the, the atmosphere is so um just sinister and thick. Uh and it, it, it's just I like period pieces also. And this is this guy, he this is his first main feature and the absolute attention to detail in the sets and the costumes and everything and in the language and the script these people had to i mean this this is another thing that people don't like about this movie is it's really old english like they lots of these lots of vowels lots of things and some people they don't want to concentrate that hard to try to figure out what they're saying because you have to be you know, really paying attention. And actually, there's one more movie I did see. It's called Regression. This has got um, Ethan Hawke and Emma Watson from the Harry Potter series. And this, uh, to me, I thought this was going to be a horror movie. It wasn't. It was more of like a a suspenseful thriller. And it's about um, like satanic ritual abuse. And uh, I would say if you like slow burns, if you like mysteries, if you like those sorts of Crime dramas, you might like that. But other than that, it's definitely not a horror movie. So that's what I've been watching. Uh, I'm not going to go into any DVD releases or Blu-ray releases because that's kind of Walshy's thing. The only thing I'm going to say is the the big one that's coming out on March 1st. Do You know what's coming out, Susan? From from uh, I- Grindhouse Blu-ray of Pieces.
2: Oh, wow.
1: oh, my God.
3: Yeah. Did, and did you guys review that on the last podcast, or I'm, I'm, I'm wrong well,
1: about we, that? Well, we definitely mentioned it, and I want okay. to mention it again because um, this is the last time we'll get to mention it before it actually comes out on the next next podcast that will already be out. But um, I'm not sure. Hopefully, if you haven't pre-ordered it, you'll still be able to get it. But it's supposed to look fantastic and have a lot of uh, special features, and this is something that a lot of slasher fans have been – Waiting on um, Abs- for a long. Yeah.
2: Absolutely, I just received my Fright Rags pieces T-shirt in the mail today, <laughs> so it's like perfect timing. <laughs>
1: exactly. But yeah,
2: but yeah, I think what he was talking about is that we did review it in the past. Oh yeah, yeah, maybe oh absolutely. It? So we should See? we should maybe do a little re and and re-review the the Blu-ray edition since mm-hmm. we all since we all liked it. We'll I'll probably be picking that up.
3: <laughs> might have I think to. it was a re- around the time you guys were re- reviewing Muck. I wouldn't say it was the same episode, but
2: oh, my favorite movie! <laughs> yeah, I, I had to bring that up.
1: Was... <laughs> I remember. I remember because I did my my really uh, dramatic bastard. Oh, that's my <laughs>
2: bastard. Favorite. That is one of my favorite moments. Are oh. you kidding me? That's like cinematic yeah. history right there. <laughs>
1: it's so good so good so that and then uh, i think the other one that's coming out from synapse is uh tenebrae and do you say that tenebrae or tenebrae i'm not sure but that's the uh, dario argento classic and that that's coming out i believe on either march 1st or march 4th so those are two worth picking up i mean those are blind buys to me so All right. Well, in theaters and VODs, of course, The Witch is out. That's the big horror movie that's out right now. And I'm also looking at February 23rd. I've not seen this on my VOD. And did you hear anything about this? Uh, There is a version of Frankenstein that's just come out and it's starring Tony Todd what no. yeah you're gonna
3: to say tony danza no this going
1: <laughs> tony danza
3: <laughs> um
2: frankenstein goes to brooklyn wait what <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh.
3: It, they did that already it was Robert robert's <laughs> sure.
1: but this let me look at it right here Says so frankenstein um this update on the classic frankenstein is set in the present day and told entirely from adam the monster's perspective Adam is confronted with nothing but aggression and violence from the world around him after he is artificially created, then left for dead, says starring Xavier Samuel, Tony Todd and Carrie Ann Moss. Carrie Ann Moss is um, she was in uh, the new Jessica Jones series. And she's also she's Trinity from the Matrix trilogy. So and here's the thing. I looked at this and I was like, this is just a a throwaway movie. This might be uh, a Redbox reject as I, like, mm-hmm. as I like to call them, those kind of horror movies that you're going to see in red box. And you're like, what is this? But this has been getting a lot of good buzz and a lot of good reviews. So I'm definitely going to check it out. Anytime there's a, a, a Frankenstein movie, just as if there's a Dracula movie or a Wolfman movie, I want to watch it. I'm going to give this one a shot. So, and it's supposed to already be out February 23rd. So it came out yesterday. So I'm going to have to look it up. And then uh, on March fourth it's called uh i think emily e m e l i e i saw the trailer for this and this is about a babysitter who is evil and these parents leave their kids with this babysitter and it's
2: good cr- job mom and dad <laughs> it,
1: well i'm not sure it wasn't their regular babysitter i guess their regular babysitter was sick so they brought in one of her friends or whatever This is not a film footage. This is this is uh, this this girl basically exposes these kids to lots of things and is mean to them. And I'm not exactly sure. I like the trailer. So uh, that's pretty probably going to be pretty cool, I think. So that's about it uh, on VOD and at the theater. So uh, we'll be right back and we're going to talk about some horror news. We're back and we're going to talk about some horror news. Several things came up this week that I want to talk about the Hellraiser sequel. Anybody hear about this?
3: No, but sounds interesting.
2: I I heard some talk of it. Yes.
1: Yeah. It's supposed to be called Hellraiser judgment. And there's no Doug Bradley who horror fans will know is, is pinhead. He literally is pinhead. Um, And I don't think, Frankly, I don't think any of the Hellraisers have been any good since the second one. He was actually approached to return in this one as Pinhead and they gave him the script. Well, they wanted to, they wanted him to give him the script to read. And basically what happened is he refused to sign the 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 I guess the gag order that he wouldn't say anything about the script. And so they said, okay, we'll find somebody else. So, uh, so they're going with somebody else for pinhead. They're introducing tons of new Cenobites and this is a strange casting choice, but Heather Langenkamp is reported to be in it. And that, yeah,
2: that's, that's how I heard about it was that she kind of either slipped up or she was allowed to say that she had a role in an upcoming Hellraiser movie. And that's kind of how, the the leak that I heard got out was be, because of her.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a so. little weird. I mean, she's also in a new movie, a ghost movie called Home. So I guess this is her triumphant return to uh, to the horror business. I don't know. But I'm sure this is going to be a straight to VOD or um, straight to, to DVD Blu-ray. I don't think it's is going to get a, a big screen or theatrical release. So I don't know. I'm I'm not too crazy excited about it because to me, Pinhead is Doug Bradley, so it, it it's going to be yeah. Uh, you know.
3: Clyde Barker have anything to do with this one or no?
1: I don't think so. Oh, I don't, okay.
2: Yeah, see, it's kind of to me, it's kind of kind of like Robert England is Freddy Krueger, so exactly. That's yeah. I yeah. mean, I I get it, and yeah. you know, no hate out there to anyone who liked the remake of A Nightmare on Elm Street. Do your thing, but. Mm. For me, it's a burn. It like I didn't like it.
1: I know. (laughs) (laughs) You you remember I liked it, right? I know, I know. That's why I'm
2: saying I respect it, but you're wrong. Yes, (laughs) yes. But you know
1: what? I I understand. I understand. Robert England is Freddy Krueger, but um, yeah. So we'll see. It's a Hellraiser movie, so I'll give it a watch when it comes out. Here's something that. I don't even really care about too much, but the Strangers 2, which was supposed to be coming out in December, now seems that it's not happening, or at least definitely not happening this year. I am one who really, really loves the first Strangers. Uh, I think it's a very intense and scary movie. And I don't really think there needs to be a Strangers 2, but because I think it can really only be worse. You know, I mean, so, uh, so that's really yeah, not. I, I you know.
2: agree because the creep factor on the first one, I, I have a hard time with that movie, seriously. It, but, it, it's yeah. really powerful to me, at least. Yeah, so it's, it's, I, I agree.
1: <laughs> home invasion movies like that, out in the middle of nowhere, that, that, and those masks, and uh, it was just, it was really, and especially at the end where, where you know what happens. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody, but. Just it's tough to watch, you know, so so not um supposedly not happening strangers too Uh it the oh got the, my attention yes, which I know Keith loves, I know mm-hmm. it's one of Walsh's top three movies of all time, and that was the the mini series that is actually being redone it's a it's a two movie, a thing, and they announced that it will be r rated, which means I think it's going to be pretty much balls to the wall hardcore, just like the book. There's a lot of stuff in the book that's too graphic and too whatever for what they did for a, you know, a TV miniseries that was on primetime TV. I think you're going to see a much scarier, much gorier movie. So is this going to be
3: theatrical or what?
1: You know what? I think so. I think Mm -hmm. it's going to be, two movies released at at, at separate times. Um, I think the first, the first movie is going to have to do with, you know, the childhood error and the second movie is going to have to do with them coming back. I'm interested.
2: I'm definitely interested. I mean, I, I'm a huge Stephen King fan. I do have to say though, that in general, I always tend to like the books more than the movies, maybe with the exception of Carrie. I don't, I don't know why, but that's just kind of me. But, um, I think it's just because he he really allows your imagination to go wild with the way that he writes, but I definitely think that that would be worth checking out. I mean, I
1: don't know. Oh, if, def- Tim,
2: if Tim Curry's not in it again, it might be a little weird. But I I think that it would definitely be worth a watch for sure.
1: Yeah. All right. Um, also announced this week, there's going to be a Chucky uh, movie, another uh, Child's Play sequel. This one will be part seven. Did you guys see part six? It was called the curse
2: of Chucky. Yes, I did. That, and I liked it. That was I actually, uh,
1: I think it was two years ago or was it three? I forget. It was a pleasant surprise.
2: Yeah. I really liked it. Cause I thought they kind of brought Chucky back to still being witty, but being scary. Kind of yes. that, that again with the, I don't know. I must have Freddy Krueger on the brain today, but kind of with the, you know, Freddy Krueger being scary and yet having that kind of sarcastic wit And they kind of brought him back to that where he kind of was going down that kind of Mm -hmm. almost almost taking it to like a farce level and brought him back to actually being feared again. So I really liked it.
1: Yeah, I thought that movie was was scary. It was done well. It was well shot, well acted. And what they're saying is a Fiona Dwarf, who is um,
2: Brad's daughter,
1: Brad's daughter. She was the, the main heroine in that movie. She's back for this one.
2: Oh, good. Cause she was really good. I, I, I was impressed.
1: Yep. So I'm, um, um, if they're going to go in that same direction, I'm looking forward to that.
2: Yeah, definitely. And do you know, is that one going to go straight to disc I, or VOD I would or? assume.
1: I would assume it's going to do the same thing as Curse of Chucky. I, um, probably right to DVD, right to VOD. Yeah. Uh, and then I knew this was going to happen. Two more little items here, but I knew this was going to happen. Uh, the sequel to uh, the ring and the ring Two. It's called Rings. It was scheduled for April first. Well, April Fools, uh, it is pushed to October. So hopefully, um, you know that will be something that uh, uh, will be worth the wait. It'll be in October Halloween time. So I, I, I think the ring is is a creepy um, a creepy thing, man. I think that is a, a series that uh, can really um, give you some some creep vibe. What do you think, Keith? Do you like The Ring? Have you ever seen it?
3: Yeah, I saw the first one. I don't remember anything about the second one, but uh, it was originally a Japanese horror flick, Ringu. Yep. yep. Now, i never seen that one either. Was that any better than the American version?
1: It's different. I like it. and mm-hmm. But I, I think that The Ring, the American version, mm-hmm. and The Grudge, which is another...
3: That's one of uh, my other favorites.
1: Yeah, I think that is actually... Those were actually some of the better... Remakes in American recent, remakes. In, yeah, in recent history. So, mm-hmm. but so again, hopefully they'll be worth the wait. And then Susan, this is—I know you've heard of this—they're talking about Halloween TV series.
2: Yeah, I well, first they were talking about Halloween Returns, and then Dimension lost the rights. Yes, I guess. And so now this the TV thing, now I'm completely, my mind is completely like scrambled eggs over all of this. And I am hanging on this because Halloween, of course, is my favorite franchise. So I really want to know what is happening or not.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I really have mixed feelings about this because I am just same as you. Halloween is my favorite. I even like the crappy movies. Okay. I'm sorry. I like Halloween 6. I like, you know. Halloween resurrection. They're not the best in the th- series, but I just like Michael Myers. I like that, that villain. I like that, uh, series, but you know what? I'm not sure how that's going to translate to the small screen or, a, you know, a weekly series. Not sure at all. So
2: yeah, but- I, I agree because, you know, they, they kind of tried to do that with scream here. Has that been a whole year now? My brain is fried, but yeah, well, um, no, I think
1: with, it came with the, out
2: the scream TV series kind of thing, and yeah, yeah, I don't, Will I don't know. Will it do better
3: than the Friday the Thirteenth series?
1: Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, see, that was a whole different different. You know, that was kind of like wasn't it like something about like a cursed mask or something or?
2: It, yeah, it was basically all the the kind of the the antique the it, antique things, kind of kind of like a. Um, Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, um, the uh, – why can't I think of their names right now? The couple that The Conjuring was based on.
1: Oh, uh, uh, Ed and Warren. Um, Lo- Ed, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Warren. Yes.
2: Yes. <laughs> Ed and Lorraine Warren, kind of that kind of a thing where they have all of these – they have to go and get all of these cursed antiques and keep them for safekeeping so that, you know, everything isn't – so, yeah. yeah, it didn't really have to do – you know, there was no Jason – or anything but
0: you yeah. know Same but, thing with-
2: series, but series wise I think it could happen because Ash versus Evil Dead is why there you I go. Now you're I love it I love it and it should be an hour instead of a half an hour each week yeah. I could not get enough of it so if it was done right maybe they could do it with Michael because I mean how many of us like completely love Michael Myers and would be completely in for you know a half an hour or an hour a week you know yeah what TV? Him.
3: You know what TV show would do really well if they did one about zombies, and, like these people trying to survive. I don't know. <laughs> Just, I think it would do really well. What do you think?
2: Oh, and then oh. they could do a spinoff that's like yes for the zombies and how the zombies ended up coming about. I love it.
3: We should we should write something down and submit we, it. I think we, we could make some your- money.
1: You're a, you're a real riot.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be here all week. No, I won't.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. I'm a little scared about that. I don't know. I love Michael Myers. Uh, I, I'm just afraid. You know, I'm afraid because I don't want it to become a, a joke. So, but we'll see. We'll see. All right. When we come back. We are going to be jumping into our first review. We're going to be reviewing 1992's Bram Stoker's Dracula.
0: Bram Stoker's Dracula is a virtual orgy of images of vampires and their victims that are erotic and horrifying at the same time. To pull that off meant using special effects that put actor Gary Oldman through a lot of changes. As Dracula, Gary Oldman appears in many different forms, from an old demon to a wild animal, to a frightening giant bat. Oldman says it was his idea that Dracula should appear in this scene as a hideous monster. Originally in the script I have a sword fight with them. I mean I jump out of bed and I have a sword fight and then I sort of turn into rats and I'm a bat and I fly out the window. Um, and I wanted something that was, that was,
3: that was bigger than that, that was, um, could show that
0: suffering. Special makeup techniques were needed for the transformation. I had, you know,
3: my head cast, contact lens fittings, teeth fittings, my body cast. I mean,
0: it's a big... it's a big thing you take on. Action! To visualize other aspects of Dracula's demonic world, director Francis Ford Coppola used special effects techniques used by early filmmakers. In a way, it was like I was going to direct Dracula as though I were a director in the turn of the century, using what they had. In fact, in this scene, where Dracula has stabbed a cross, Coppola directed Oldman as if it were a silent movie, giving him verbal directions throughout the scene.
1: Look, all of you, it's bleeding. The cross is bleeding. My God!
0: That was hard. You had to have pumps with the blood, and there were like four cameras in different positions. And, and, and of course, as the blood is coming, you don't stop it. You say, well, oh, let it fill the room. You know, get, let's get the effect because you're only going to get one shot at it. Coppola says the special effects techniques he used gave the film a unique look. I think it gave the movie a kind of soul or magic that it wouldn't have had if, if the effects were done in the modern way. The recipe for the gallons of blood in this film included light corn syrup, lots of red food coloring, a dash of green, mix lightly, then bite and serve.
1: All right, we're back, and we're going to be reviewing 1992's Bram Stoker's Dracula, directed by Francis Ford Coppola of Godfather fame, based on the novel by Bram Stoker. It stars, of course, Gary Oldman as Dracula, Winona Ryder as Mina Murray, Anthony Hopkins as Professor Van Helsing, Keanu Reeves as Jonathan Harker, and then a cast of other Uh, Players Richard E. Grant, Carrie Elwes. Is that how you say his name? Um, Billy Campbell, Sadie Frost as Lucy and Tom Waits. And I believe this is the big screen debut of Monica Bellucci. This movie came out in 1992. It's two hours and eight minutes long. It is definitely R-rated. Okay, Definitely R-rated. Definitely. And uh, it was released on November 13th of 1992. Budget. What do you guys think the budget for this movie would have been? It was a 40 million to be exact. Yes. $40 million, which I think in 1992, that was a pretty substantial budget and it, it grossed 215 million, almost 216 million. So it really, um, really made back its money and, and lots more than, and it basically saved Francis Ford Coppola had a a production company, and this was kind of the movie that saved it. All right, so let's do the uh, synopsis. I'm just going to do one that was written. I'm going to give him credit on IMDb, written by Goth. So if you're Goth, thank you. (laughs) This version of Dracula is closely based on Bram Stoker's classic novel of the same name. A young lawyer, Jonathan Harker, is assigned to a gloomy village in the midst of Eastern Europe. He is captured and imprisoned by the undead vampire Dracula, who travels to London inspired by a photograph of Harker's fiancée, Mina Murray. In Britain, Dracula begins a reign of seduction and terror, draining the life from Mina's closest friend, Lucy, Lucy's friends gather together to try to drive Dracula away. Yeah, so why don't we uh, roll the trailer? Hit it. Roll it.
0: <laughs> Here occurred the frightening and shocking history of Prince Dracula and the woman he loved. I have crossed. Oceans of time to
4: find you. Yeah. Dracul.
0: There is a sinister, darker side to him I find irresistible. I have never met any man with such a passion for life.
2: He is unlike any man.
4: What are you?
0: Vampires do exist. This one we fight, this one we face. can take on many forms. He is both young and old. He can appear as mist, as vapor, as the fog. And he can vanish at will. Oh, my love. The power of his evil desire has no end. You've got to go to him, and you've got to love him. She is a willing recruit, a devoted disciple. She is the devil's concubine. Mm -hmm. Join me in eternal life. Your salvation is destruction.
4: I want to be what you are. I want to see what you see.
0: I want to love what you love.
4: Take me away
0: from all this death. Make no mistake. He must be stopped.
1: All right, we're back, uh, Susan. <laughs> why don't you give me a little little something about this movie? What do you What are your thoughts on this movie? What do you What do you, what do you like about okay. the movie? First of all,
2: well, first of all. I, I, Obviously, I'm a big effects person, and I love the visual effects and the look of this film, and I love that he refused to use CGI and computer technology at that time. And went old school even with the models a la 1977 Star Wars style mm-hmm. um, with everything because then it kind of keeps it from being dated. Because how many of us have watched an early 90s movie with bad CGI and gone, oh, my God, really? With mm-hmm. the eye roll? Yeah. So um, so I really liked it. Uh, I really liked all of the, the effort that was put into the visuals of this, I mean, from the wardrobe to the lighting, I mean, everything was just – it was really stunning to watch. So I. that's probably my favorite thing about this film. It's one of those where regardless of what's going on, every frame of it is – you know, like a painting. It was, it was really, really cool visually. So that's, that's pretty much uh, my favorite thing. And then of course I thought Gary Oldman did an amazing job and Anthony Hopkins who in pretty much every horror thriller movie is just, you know, on point. So those, those are my main likes about this film.
1: Yeah. I'm going to agree with you on, on the look of this movie and I'm going to echo you with, the practical effects and and the, um, the, the use of miniatures and things that, you know, nobody was doing at that time. Uh, You know, everyone was, was going to that CGI, no matter how, you know, cheesy it might have looked, it's what they thought was cutting edge and, and they were moving away from that sort of stuff. And he committed to, to doing it this way. And I I can tell you, if you watch it on the Blu-ray, like I have, there's a few scenes where you're like, yep, yeah, that's a miniature train, <laughs> you know. I mean, you can, if, but you really have to be looking for it, and um, but just the the detail uh, of of the costumes and of the sets and of the miniatures that they used, um, just just a lot of uh, artistry that went into this, and and I really, as a fan of of cinema, I appreciated it, I really did, and it doesn't look like a lot of movies looked in 1992. Like, I think it looks like you said, it doesn't, it's not as dated. You know, it looks like it might be something that was, was made much later. But uh, yeah, so the cinematography was great. The lighting, use of color and shadow was great. Uh, I liked the score. It was sweeping and Gothic. I really uh, enjoyed it. It, it, it really, Um, brought the story to life it drove the story it 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 um just made sense i'm same with you man i really like gary oldman i think that he's one of the best actors uh out there and and, and and i would i could watch him pretty much do anything what about you keith what are some of your likes
3: well, what I uh, Susan she pretty much summed everything up. I really don't even have to say anything, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, the, the cast. I mean, this is a cast that still holds up to today's standards. Um, this is something that will continue. It'll just keep transcending into time. It'll it'll be a good movie. Um, I also like what you guys were saying about the uh, the the colors. I like the way that they blended the scenes. Where um, a lot of them just, you know, it wasn't a start and stop to the next scene that blend it right in together. I like how they used, and if you guys noticed or not, where they would have like a, a circle you know, shape in there where I don't know what the, the technical term is, what they, how they use that, but it would be like the sun. And then it would, you know, transpose into something else. And, uh, was one part where it was like an eye or something like that. I like they had They, they didn't overdo it. They, you know, they threw it in there maybe, know, four times, something like that. I lost count, but I thought it was, Uh, I always say less is more and that's what they did with this was that um, it it also reminded me of uh, like the old universal monster movies, just the feel of it. Um, It just, it just moves. I love the costumes. They didn't overdo it with trying to, the Dracula's costume was probably the most outrageous thing as far as looking modern. I have a little problem sometimes with sunglasses being like in a period piece and, you know, he's wearing the, the, the blue sunglasses. I don't know if they were invented back then or not, but um, <laughs> but <laughs> that's the only thing. I always like if they're true to that time or something like that. But uh, you know, you got to you know what they say s- suspend disbelief or whatever
1: like that. Yeah. But um, uh, uh, that's all I got to say about that. I I do believe the sunglasses had been invented, and I also uh, same kind of thing. I was like when um, Mina was using a typewriter. Okay. Yeah to um type some letters and i was like hmm were typewriters available and i believe it was the year 1897 so i looked it up and and yes Uh they had been out for about 10 years wow so and she was you know pretty wealthy so stands to reason that she might have been using the typewriter so you know there you go um anything else that you liked about it uh
2: um, just certain little things like when Dracula's shadow is going to strangle Keanu yes. Reeves' Jonathan.
4: Yeah, I, I just Loved thought it. It,
2: things like that were really, really cool. Um, which again is pretty much effects. But you know, I, I, I felt that it also kind of portrayed it as kind of a a sad story versus this classic quote unquote mean vampire. You know, they, they they kind of gave an element of softness mm-hmm. to it. Um when he's like renouncing God and and all of that, you actually, you know, felt for him mm-hmm. kind of in a in a Frankenstein-esque kind of way. You know, so I I like that they that they kind of added that element to it instead of him just being this, you know, vicious vampire with no Uh, just the way all these different films have portrayed him. I kind of like that. I don't even know how to word it, you guys, but
1: (laughs) no, I'm, I'm right there with you. I understand what you're saying. And and this was, this was a more sympathetic Dracula. Um, You know, he had lost his love of his life and it it wasn't even something that was almost like a, it was like a Romeo and Juliet thing. He, she got the, the, the the fake news that he had been killed in battle and so she she killed herself and
3: he, I thought about that when I saw that scene yeah Romeo yeah. and Juliet and,
1: and and so you know he felt like I'm out fighting for God which he believed he was doing he was fighting for the cross he was fighting off the, the wasn't the Muslim Turks or whatever and uh, from their invasion and he was fighting in the name of God and his view and what, what are the thanks that he gets, you know, his, his one and only love, Elizabeth is dead. So, um, he's, he's, he's hurt. He renounces God. And, and then the whole story, you know, is he sees Mina Murray played by Winona Ryder. And she is basically the reincarnation of his love. And, um, So you kind of feel for him a little bit, even the part where she wants to become a vampire. And, and he's like, no, he he stops her from drinking the blood. And he's like, no, I can't do this to you because I love you too much. If I do this, you know, you'll be damned as well. And, um, you know, kind of, kind of made me for a second feel for, for Dracula. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's a damned, soul, immortal soul. And, um, yeah, so I get that. I get that. I like the, uh, the reference there to the story of Vlad the Impaler. Also, he mentions that, that he was a descendant of Attila the Hun, uh, which was just a fleeting comment. But if you look up some of the, the, uh, the Dracula lore or whatever, uh, that is part of it, that he was a descendant of Attila the Hun. I loved Dracula's shadow moving independently of him, and that costume, just just crazy. That is one of the most awesome Dracula costumes. I mean, just the makeup was incredible. The big long red, uh, blood red robe, the the fingers <laughs> with those oh, yeah. fingernails, and and um, I mean, just that that wig was was put together one little hair at a time. I mean, that was a, mm-hmm. you know, that was like one of those really, really good quality, like opera type wigs. And, uh, I can't imagine how much time Gary Oldman spent in the makeup chair.
2: Oh, absolutely.
1: During this movie, because it wasn't just that, I mean, how many, how many, um, things that he, he was Dracula, the old man, he was Dracula, kind of like a demonic old guy. At the end, he was the bat creature, which was phenomenal. That yeah. is that is one of the best makeup jobs.
3: Yes, I was going to say that.
1: Man, that was just creepy when he was that bat creature.
3: When he was the wolf, too. I don't know if he was wolf or beast or what it yeah. was, but that was yeah, that was excellent. I still think it holds up.
1: Yeah, I, I like I like the bat creature a little bit better than the wolf creature. Oh
3: yeah, definitely.
1: But I, I kind of feel like that's even like if we were comparing that to some of the the movies with werewolves,
4: mm-hmm.
1: that's a great werewolf,
4: right? Oh,
1: definitely. I was like, man, why didn't somebody get a you know an idea a, you know and make a, a weref- werewolf like this in a movie? I mean, that was it was just phenomenal. I think that's
3: what keeps your interest too. Like what you were saying, like he was different things, different times. He was young, he was old and you're, you know, you got to keep track of what's going on. So it kept your interest in the movie. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But, uh, I I love the, the scene, that scene where he's the back creature and, and, and Van Helsing and the group comes in. Oh yeah. Thinking about it right now. and, And then he, he goes back into the the shadows and his eyes are still glowing, mm-hmm. and, and then he just turns into rats.
4: Yeah, just
1: that was just uh, I, I enjoy that, but that that's one of the things, man. I just love the practical special effects and makeup in this movie. It mm-hmm. it's just it was just fun to watch. I I really enjoyed it. What about you, Keith? Anything else?
3: No, just like I was saying with that, you you summed it up with the uh, the bat creature thing. That was my favorite scene in there. Um, also, uh, they couldn't pick any two better actors and uh, Gary Ullman and Anthony Hopkins. Um, I think that's why it holds up like it does. But uh, of course, it was this was more like a, if you want to say like a love story slash horror slash you name it, it was all thrown together. Not much room for comedy. So the, uh, the one little thing that Anthony Hopkins does when he says, are you going to do an autopsy? And he says, no, I'm just going to chop off her head and take her heart.
1: Yeah,
3: I thought that was it was a little funny moment, real quick. So I like that too. But yeah.
1: and I liked, um, I liked the Lucy vampire after mm-hmm. she had had died, and she was you know all white. in the and scene, yeah,
3: see through coffin. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say whoever was their set designer did a good job on that.
1: Well, when they go into uh, to chop her head off and and take her, you know, put the stake through her heart, and they have to go into the crypt, and of course she's not. In there, I love how uh, he takes the cross and, and then she moves kind of weirdly
4: mm-hmm.
1: backwards and back into the, the the coffin that was all filmed and then and then played backwards, ah. so so it looked creepier. And
3: I was hoping she was going to be hanging off the ceiling or something in that scene, yeah. just kind of drop down on them.
1: Did you uh did you guys like the uh, the three Dracula's brides? Oh yeah.
3: Oh, no. I, I, I know Keith
1: liked them.
2: <laughs>
3: I had to be
1: careful, but that it's
3: like tiptoeing around landmines.
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I, but I enjoyed um, just that that thing that he they, they were basically his his slaves or whatever.
3: And the scene with the baby.
1: Yeah, that was a little disturbing.
3: Yes, it was. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, and, and they they also took down the horse.
3: They yes, they down, did.
1: Took down uh, Van Helsing's horse, and yeah, so. But um, all right. Well, I I can say that uh, this is this is a this is an epic movie. If if you like, you know, big, sweeping, epic type movies, I think you'll like this. Um, It's got some it's got some creepy, some scary stuff in it. It's got some romance. um, It's got a lot of drama and it's got some great performances. Uh, And I think that, you know, it's it's one that's worth seeing. But we do have some dislikes. So what do you have to say, horror Girl? What is it about this movie that you don't like?
2: Okay, well, you know, Keanu Reeves has done some some good acting in some other films, but this was definitely not my favorite film that he's been in. Um, I felt like his accent was just all over the place. Sometimes he had it, sometimes he dropped it, and sometimes he would do that within one sentence. Mm-hmm. And then just his delivery of some of his lines, um, the one where he says, music, those animals. I mean, it's just, it was, I expected him to say, you know, dude, where's my car or something. I don't know. It just, it, there were certain moments with him that just completely removed me from the, from the movie itself. And, mm-hmm. um, and I feel like also obviously you've got Gary Oldman and you've got Anthony Hopkins. So then you've got Keanu and Winona Ryder who were young upcoming people then. And that's a lot of pressure to have to act with and, and be in that film with because they're going to own the screen regardless. But I just feel like there were some inconsistencies um, with with his acting that kind of pulled me out of the film. And uh, I just – I don't know. There was just something about it that even though I was invested in the movie and seeing what happened next and it felt like it was moving along and there was something happening, there was also kind of this – I don't know, this underlying boring aspect to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't Bring on the hate mail. But I just – there was something to me about it that underlying was just kind of boring as well uh, I, I don't necessarily want to say it was slow I, I don't know I can't really put my finger on it but there was just something about it that was a, a little bit you know slow to me and maybe it's if it's because some of the characters I didn't feel were as developed or weren't that great um, and juxtaposed with with some of them being far more developed and really good. Maybe that was kind of, you know, this tug of war going on Mm -hmm. uh, for me when I was watching it, but. um,
1: Well, you know what? I will say this, Uh, two really good film critics agreed with you. And that was uh, Siskel and Ebert. And I'm going to play a clip right here of what they had to say about it
0: and here you have as I said before set pieces in which everything spins around in beautiful pictures but there's no real emotion. So commitment. then why do you give it thumbs up? I love the way it looks. Well I, mean, I like the way it looks. There I'm... has to be uh, you know thumbs up thumbs down is such an arbitrary thing. Anyway. Not arbitrary. This movie does things with the visuals of vampirism and the Dracula yeah, legend you have not seen done before. I, I mean the sets, the costumes, the atmosphere the music, you were the bo- special I, effects. I, I know you were bored during it, and I was bored, too. I really was. Well, Coming you, up next. I'm glad you're a mind reader. Maybe okay. you could get a job in the next picture doing your act or something.
1: Thank you. And they both hey. said they were hey. bored. Hey. They both said I, they were bored. I might bored.
0: Be okay at this, huh? Yeah. Even
1: okay. though, Even yeah. though, yeah. And even though um, <laughs> Ebert, Roger Ebert, gave it a thumbs up, uh. Siskel was like, you know, you were bored as well, <laughs> you know, because he said he liked it so much because of the visuals. And and that's the thing where the movie looks so good, sometimes you give it a pass for right, for certain shortcomings. And 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 I will agree with you. There's there's a few parts in, in the middle there where where it drags a tiny bit. And that's just me. I think it doesn't drag as much as as you might think, but I can see that. I can see where you're, where you're coming from.
2: Yeah. I kind of, when I saw Crimson Peak, I immediately thought of this film because it was visually stunning. I felt like in that movie, you know, some of the CGI was a little overdone and whatever, but, but it was that same kind of thing where there were certain characters that were really developed and really had my attention and then others that weren't. And so it just kind of left me, you know, floating between being really interested and being disinterested.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm going to piggyback on your dislike of Keanu Reeves. I just, I'm not sure what they were thinking casting him because
3: I, I can tell you why they did that.
1: Well, he was a heartthrob.
3: That was it. Yeah. They said that uh, Francis Ford Coppola was criticized for having a minute, but he was eye candy for the girls. He was supposed to draw the, I don't know, teenage girls, well, the 20 some girls in, I don't know.
1: What? Well, but- all, all another consideration for that role was Johnny Depp.
3: Yeah. You know, I, I was thinking that because, and well, were they, were him and, um, him, him, who her, and let's try that again. Johnny and Wynona were they dating
1: at the time or now? I'm not sure, but it, it's possible. But I, I, Johnny Depp would have been a hundred percent better.
3: Yeah, I mean, I was not, oh, not, absolutely.
1: Not, not Johnny Depp right now. Right. Because he would have given his, you know, Jack, Sparrow performance, <laughs> but in 1992, mm-hmm. Johnny Depp would have made this movie tremendous. I mean, tremendously better mm-hmm. because I, I just Keanu Reeves has one of those voices and one of those faces, and even the haircut in this right. movie, right? Um, it, it was like, dude, you know, it just mm-hmm. kind of makes you think of like, you know, he's just. I don't know. It
2: it did. There were moments that when he delivered his line I thought, does he have Wade just off screen right now or something? Because <laughs> it's just that's yeah. kind of just how it came across. It came across like there was a little bit of brainlessness happening in there. And I mean, I get it. Maybe he was, you know, really intimidated and trying to focus or whatever and you know, and he's working with these, you know, much bigger actors at the time. But but, yeah, I don't know. I just didn't – I mean, he he's great in other films. Um, but in this, he just didn't really work for me that well, personally. Yeah.
1: I mean,
3: I think Alex Winter would have been a better choice. Who's that? He's the guy that plays Bill.
2: Oh, <laughs> <gosh>. <laughs>
3: <laughs> also, Lost Boys. Hey, you never know. <laughs> well, yeah,
1: he was <laughs> Reeves did say in an interview that he had just come off of making, like, two or three movies in a row. And that he wasn't really – you know, putting forth his best effort. It's not a, a good performance. He admits it's not a good performance. So um, you know, uh, there might be might be some truth to that. That he just was, you know, really tired and and drained and just didn't have anything to give. But I just think it's it's a little bit more than that. It's just you know, some characters are some some actors. It's hard to separate them from you know, certain roles. And that's kind of what Keanu Reeves has, has become to me. I, I didn't have a problem with Winona Ryder. I, I like Winona Ryder and I thought she was good, but um, obviously you didn't, but here's somebody that I can't stand. And that's Carrie Ewells. I, I can't, Carrie Elways. Is it Elways? Is that his name? Yeah. Uh, the only thing, I can see him in is the princess bride. Oh,
3: I know, yeah, I, I know. The so dread pirate Roberts.
1: I just can't. And, and especially when he's got a stupid mustache, I just, uh, it just, I don't know. I can't, I, I hated him in Saul. I thought he was just so over the top and like, I don't know. So it was very difficult for me to, to watch him in, in this role. I know that uh, they were trying to be real, you know, faithful to the novel. So they, they put those three gentlemen suitors in there, uh, Dr. Jack, Lord Arthur, and, um, and then Quincy Morris, you know, the Texan. Mm -hmm. And and there's a reason why so many other adaptations of Dracula left those guys out, you know, because they're kind of goofy Mm -hmm. if you ask me, but, but yeah, so that, that's, that's, a dislike for me was Keanu Reeves and and, and Carrie Elway's whatever. What about you, Keith? Any other dislikes?
3: Yes, I haven't got to say my dislikes yet. Um, the exterior shots, even though we'd said that we did like the colors that they used um i wish it would have been more like of a natural setting i don't know if it would have been more expensive to go that way or uh just stick to, to me i think it looks like a sound stage everything was everything was always outside looked like it was kind of cramped onto a sound stage so that was the only thing i had a little bit problem with and they had like the the chasing where they're chasing his his uh horse carriage whatever you want call it yes and, and it just looked i don't know. It just looked. I know it's fake anyway. It's ho- it's Hollywood, but that's what it kind of just reminded me of. Just it didn't have a natural feel to it. I, I don't know if that would have it to it. You know. Um, yeah.
1: Well, it but, was de- de- none of it was shot on location. It was all shot on a soundstage. So. Yeah, you
3: could t- you could tell that. But everything that was interior shots, it didn't really matter. But. Um, The only other thing I had was, uh, as far as continuity, if you want to say that, it might not even have anything to do with that, but there's the scene where Lucy is, after she is bitten, and she's laying in bed, and uh, Wynona's character is tending to her, and she is wearing makeup. She's wearing full blue eyeshadow and red lipstick, and I'm thinking that is what you want to do after you've just been attacked by a vampire. You want to do your makeup (laughs) to look really good, to go out. I don't know. I don't know what that was about. And then a scene later she wasn't wearing the makeup no more. So I don't know what the, the significance of that was. But that was minor. That was the only thing that I noticed that looked like it was out of place. Everything else seemed like it was uh it was tight.
1: Yeah, there there was there was a couple things that I didn't like. There was a CGI moment at the end in that very um, scene you were talking about, Keith, with the mm-hmm. uh, the, the chase. Right. Uh, one of the gypsies gets shot. Right, and he falls off the cliff after being shot. Uh-huh. Really bad CGI, <laughs> like, like almost like some of the worst CGI I've ever seen is Escape from LA. <laughs> have you, I mean, have you ever seen that
3: movie? No, not yet. But I thought you were going to yeah. say The Last Starfighter.
1: <laughs> no, this, you know, uh, uh, this this was uh, one of John Carpenter's movies, and it was the, it was a sequel to. Um, Escape from New York, which is a classic, but Escape right. from L.A. has got some crazy bad CGI in it. Um, yeah, so that kind of reminded me of that. And and this is something that some people might consider alike, but it was a tad too sexual for my taste. Yeah. Uh, n- not everything has to be like sexual. I mean, some of the same kind of themes were explored in, in 1931's um, Dracula, but things aren't, they weren't as explicit or as out in your face. And I kind of felt like this was almost like being sexual just for shock value or, I, I don't know. And I'm, and I'm not, you know, I'm not a prude and I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem
3: do you think um, that... Gary Oldman was channeling uh, Jim Morrison there at that scene at the end? Where he was—he was, was kind of like moving like in a '70s groove kind of way. Like he didn't know—it looked like he didn't know how to react to what was going on. I don't know. Anybody yeah. else? Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it wouldn't—it wouldn't surprise me if that's what he mm-hmm. was channeling. But I, I think, think that any,
2: anything with vampires, they tend to overly sexualize. I think just because mm-hmm. of the whole, you know, biting on the neck. Yeah, and you know, just the the visual of that is is sexual or sensual, depending on how you want to view it. So I think a lot of them will just amp that up, whether it's for ratings or whether it's you know for yeah. the fantasy aspect of it, or just to romanticize the whole concept of vampires in general. It's I a think Hollywood
3: it, rule, sex. Yeah, sells. I mean,
2: it, of all the horror movies, I mean, any kind of a vampire movie is always seemingly sexually driven that, that I've noticed.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That one. And, and, and one of the other ones is, um, Dracula dead and loving it. Yeah. That's real sexual too. Um, <laughs> Transylvania, Yeah. But I understand what you're saying. I, it, it's the whole vampire thing is a sensual thing. It's, you know, but I, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of a little over the top, but again, some people, some of our listeners might think that is a like for this movie and that's okay. That's Okay. All right. Um, real quick, I forgot to do like uh, trivia and stuff for Dracula because uh, cool. it's got a ton of stuff. Do uh, you, ha- you have any?
2: Um, for, hang on a second because my pages are noisy. Uh, I just have um, – and I think you already even mentioned it when we were reviewing it about – instead of going to locations, they did everything at MGM and that Winona Ryder actually brought it to Francis Ford Coppola because she bailed on him for something. And yeah,
1: Godfather three.
2: Yeah. Godfather three. I knew it was something major. <laughs> and um,
1: Yeah. And and, 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 and he
2: went ahead and took it and looked at it like that. It was shocking to me. It's like, Oh, you bail on me and now, okay, sure. But yeah. So, um, that was the only thing. Oh, wait. Um, Oh, and they did some video games of it. Oh, and for all of the crazy effects with all the little models and all the hard work, you know, going back to like what they had to do in the 70s and everything, they did not even get an Oscar nomination or anything.
1: That's crazy.
2: So those are the only things that I found.
1: What about you, Keith? You got any uh, trivia or tidbits about this? Two of them that I stole off of uh,
3: IMDb, which was the shaving scene, which I didn't really notice, but they said that the, they made the walls, the set, you know, the movie set, the walls kind of close in to make it a claustrophobic type looking scene.
1: Yeah. I noticed that. I noticed that.
3: I didn't notice that. But um, then they said the, the bat creature scene that we talked about earlier, um, that, they told Gary Ullman to say something terrifying to each of the actors to get their reaction on screen and nobody knows what he said to him, but they said that he must've said something pretty good. Cause they reacted.
1: <laughs> no, I saw, I saw that on the, um, there's a, like a, a little making of, uh-huh. they showed that scene. They showed him in full bat uh you know, costume like whispering stuff in these people's ears and they're kinda like, uh-huh. what's going on? Uh-huh. But uh, yeah.
2: Oh yeah, you know, I heard about that that uh when he wanted people to have shock and fear, that he whispered something that nobody knows what he said, but he said something really, really horrible to everyone.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um he also hired Gary Oldman also hired a a, a coach, a singing coach, yes. to help him lower his voice by an octave. Yes, to help him give Dracula a more sinister quality. Um, he's he's definitely a method actor. I mean, he is he's just I really like him. During pre-production of the movie, the director um, came up with the idea that when in the presence of if you're in the presence of a vampire, the laws of physics don't work correctly. So that's why you see some of these the shadows move independently. Right. Um, Rats are running along a ceiling upside down liquid drips up instead of down. That's um, right. Very, you know, kind of otherworldly type thing. Yeah. Francis Ford Coppola, he's openly criticized his own reasoning for casting Keanu Reeves. And that's because, uh, he needed a, a young hot star yes. that would connect with the girls.
3: Alex winter.
1: Yes. <laughs> um, and then, uh, Gary Oldman and Winona Ryder did not get along well at all during filming. And it says the rest of the cast was shocked because they had been friendly during the rehearsals because they, they did a lot of rehearsals, a lot of reading, a lot of exercise, a lot of, um, uh, they sat down as a, as a cast and actually read the novel out loud. Uh, it took them like two or three days to, to, to get through it and do all that, which I don't think you'd ever see that happening nowadays, but, and then when they came back from the rehearsal break to shoot the movie, it seemed like they kind of hated each other. So uh, I'm not sure what happened there. Not sure what happened at all.
3: It was a love quarrel.
1: I don't it, Probably. <laughs> probably. And then uh, when Prince Vlad screams after he drives his sword into the cross at the beginning, that is not Gary Oldman. That is a guy named Lux Interior. He's the lead singer of a punk band called The Cramps. And he recorded oh. The Scream, and it was dubbed in.
3: Hey, just, this, this just in, uh, it said Francis Forcopa wanted Johnny Depp to play Jonathan Harker. But the studio wanted someone who was more of a heartthrob. you believe that?
1: Johnny Depp's wow, not a heartthrob?
4: That's so funny.
3: I know. That's what it says on here. Francis Forcopa wanted Johnny Depp. So we were all on the same page, pretty much.
1: I and... don't get that because I would think 1992 – isn't that like kind of the height of Johnny Depp heart? I mean, he had, when, when, he had, he, when had, did
3: he do a uh, cry baby?
1: It's probably around the same time. Cause he did, yeah. uh, you know, he did um, 21 jump street in the late eighties. Right. And then, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And then uh, the last one here is Liam Neeson. Uh, really, really wanted the role of Van Helsing. Wow. And he like campaigned for it and he was considered for it. But um, Anthony Hopkins ended up showing interest in the role, and I'm sorry when you're going up against Tony, Sir Tony, uh, Tony the Pen. Mm-hmm. That's right. You don't you don't <laughs> win because he yeah, had just ju- cl- close yeah. up
2: shop and go home. Take yeah. your little red wagon and go mm-hmm. home. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he,
1: he was just coming off of Silence of the Lambs, right? And um, but uh, he 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 was great. He was perfect. Perfect casting, so definitely, yeah. So that's all the the, spe- uh, the the special trivia and stuff that I have. I don't want to keep going. You can go and, and watch the uh, the making of. It's, I think it's probably even on YouTube if you're interested. Lots of little uh, trivia and tidbits. So there you have it. All right. Well, we've done some likes, we've done some dislikes. Uh, overall, uh, just give us your your overall thought on the movie, and then give us your rating, Aragel.
2: Okay well my rating basically is a seven out of ten on this um, uh, like I said, visually it's amazing the the wardrobe the sets the lighting, cinematography, the fact that they kept to hands-on effects for every shot and for everything I really like that. I really like Gary Oldman, Anthony Hopkins um, you know and it's not to say that I think that Winona Ryder was bad or anything in it like that I mean I mean she did a good job but there, there were just, for whatever reason, and maybe I can't even put my finger on it, certain things about this film that it just didn't do anything magnificent for me personally. And that's just me personally. Um, so I basically give it a 7 out of 10. If you are a, a vampire film fan, if you are a Dracula fan, I would say it's a definite must-own. It is a really good movie. It's For the way that I'm speaking about it, It's it makes it sound like it's a terrible movie. It's not um it you know i do recommend it but it's just not one of my all-time favorites so i would say seven out of ten and purchase if you're a fan of dracula vampire films in general uh gothic victorian type looking films um you're gonna love it
1: very good very good what about you creepy keith I'm gonna step it up a notch
3: and give us one of ten. Other than what we talked about, the exterior shots, Keanu Reeves' acting. I think it could have used a really good love song like Celine Dion's. You know, the heart must go on with a stake through it um but i looked it up and there was actually <laughs> thank you thank you susan thank there you there was like the love song
1: the end credits you
3: know? I, there was i just realized that when i was uh i don't doing yeah, some Annie, research any
2: lennox i love Annie lennox, love Annie lennox. Yeah. Yeah, love that's song song called love song, song for a
3: vampire that's that, correct that one did yeah. not
1: catch on
3: no it didn't it wasn't as big as celine dion but if she would have did it you know That would have been been another uh, like. But, yeah, Susan summed it all up. I like
2: Antelytics better than Celine Dion. So (laughs) So do I. I'm just saying. So do I.
3: (laughs) But for me, this is definitely a buy. Um, I don't own it. I rented it on Amazon, and I would highly recommend it on Blu-ray.
1: Very good. So a 10 out of 10.
3: Yes. Really? I think it's Flawless other than like she, like Susan said about the, uh, canary Reeves acting. you know, just, I, I didn't see much wrong with it. It's, it's pretty flawless to me.
1: All right. Well, I enjoy this movie. I really do. Uh, I remember seeing it back in the nineties and I hadn't seen it for quite a while. So I was looking forward to watching it. I do own it on Blu-ray and, uh, they've got some, some nice little features there. Uh, when I watched it to, to refresh, I put on the subtitles so I wouldn't miss anything. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed, there's like a three or four part, you know, making of thing that uh, has lots of interviews with actors and Francis Ford Coppola. So I would, I would recommend buying that. And I would get a, I'm going to give this an eight and a half out of 10 skulls. I would give it even higher, but I cannot get past Keanu Reeves. I, I take, I take a full point off. <laughs> he's not Keanu even in Reeves. it that much. It, it doesn't <laughs> matter. It doesn't matter. It really well, doesn't. It's
2: when something removes you from the movie, like when you're immersed in True. it and you're, and you're feeling it. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, wait a minute. Where am I? Hi. What movie am I in?
1: <laughs> yeah, and it just like, like I was, they, she went over and got married to him. Right. And they came back and all of a sudden he's got gray hair for some reason. and, and, they're getting in this carriage in London and he looks out and he sees Dracula standing there. And literally this is his line. It is the man, (laughs) you know, I'm like, he made himself young. I'm not, it is the same man. I'm just, Mm -hmm. just, just, it just really does take you out of it. And uh,
3: the, the gray hair was from stress. They stressed him out by draining all of his blood. And I guess, and you know, the count, he, there was a couple uncomfortable scenes where he was, you know, up on him, shaving him, and stuff like that. Yeah. My boy went through some stuff. That's, that's what that gray hair came from.
1: Yeah. But yeah, so definitely um if, if they had cast Johnny Depp or somebody else, in this role, this might be a nine out of 10, but, uh, or nine and a half out of 10, but, uh, eight and a half out of 10. I'd say just like Susan said, if you're a, a fan of Dracula vampire movies, you will like this movie. I'm pretty sure. So go ahead and get it. So there we go. An eight and a half, a seven and a 10. Wow. There you go. All right. When we come back, we're going to get into our second review of extraordinary tales from 2015. Our next movie is uh, from 2000. It's actually was made in 2013, but it wasn't released until 2015. And it is extraordinary tales and extraordinary tales is an animated anthology of five stories that are adapted from the one, the only Edgar Allan Poe. And, uh, there is a wraparound story with a, uh, A crow, it says in the, I'm not sure why it's crow. It should be a raven, right? But Mm -hmm. um, talking with death in a graveyard. And that kind of wraps things around and ties everything together, or does it? Uh, This director, directed by Raul Garcia, uh, he also did all the the screenwriting or adapting uh, from the, the short stories. And... It's completely animated, and a lot of times it's just um, voiceovers. So we have Roger Corman is in it, Guillermo del Toro, Cornelia Funk, who is a writer. Uh, I'm not sure why they picked her to be the voice of death. Stephen Hughes, uh, Christopher Lee in his last screen appearance, uh, even though it is only his voice. Bella Lugosi. An uh, archive voice. And then Julian Sands is a narrator also. Uh, so why don't we uh, roll the trailer? Hit it. Roll it. Extraordinary tales. Again, I like Edgar Allan Poe. Do You guys like Edgar Allan Poe's work?
3: Yes, I do. I am a yes. fan.
1: I mean, he's Very the much. he's the father of, of Gothic, you know, literature or horror or whatever. Um, and this this attempts to take five of his short stories. We've got uh, the Pit and the Pendulum. We've got the Fall of the House of Usher. That's We've a good cool one. Yes, the Telltale Heart. That's and not a good one. the facts in the case of M. Valdemar. Um, so that was only four, right? And, yeah. The, so the
2: mask of the Red Death is. Better.
1: Yes, because the, yeah, there's no, there's only one line in that. So the mask of the Red Death <laughs> is the last one.
2: Yeah. So
1: um, this is a kind of a difficult movie, and I know uh, Walshy picked this one because he loves Edgar Allan Poe, and, and so do I. Uh, so let's 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 get into some likes. I'm going to give you a few of my likes. Uh, I did like some of the animation. I didn't like all of the animation. It's five different stories plus a wraparound. And all of them have distinctly different animation styles. And, uh, I'm going to say that I really liked the animation in the first story, the fall of the house of usher, which was, um, uh, I thought it was very angular, uh, and and it looked very good. It looked creepy. Uh, I think it was uh, suited for that story to tell that story. I enjoyed that animation. I enjoyed the animation um, in the the facts in the case of M. Valdemar, which was almost like almost like a uh, from the pages of a comic book like an old style comic book. And, and you guys notice that um, the main, one of the main characters in that vignette in that story, he was drawn to look exactly like Vincent price. Yeah. I mean, he looked, he looked exactly like Vincent price in that. Uh, so if you go back and, and, and see this, I thought that was kind of a, a cool thing. Uh, Because Vincent Price had had been in some adaptations of a lot of Edgar Allan Poe's work. Um, And I I, kind of enjoyed the, uh, almost like the watercolor type of animation in the last, The Mask of the Red Death. I thought that was kind of uh, cool to watch and haunting. Um, I also liked some of the narration. Uh, You can't go wrong with Christopher Lee. I mean that mm-hmm. guy. That guy has a voice that is distinctive.
3: Yes, you pick it out right away.
1: And, yeah, I mean, that
2: was his last his last thing. Yeah, that he did his last role.
1: And he would have been what? It, he died when he was ninety. Was it? Did he make it to ninety? I think I, so. I think he
3: did make it over I, ninety. Yeah,
2: I think so.
1: But I mean, I I just love he he's got a storytelling voice. Yeah. 93. He, he died when he was 93. So he recorded that when he was about 90, <laughs> 91. Wow. So, you know, he was, uh, he was a dynamic actor and a dynamic, um, uh, voice. So I, I really enjoyed that. I really, really enjoyed the Bella Lugosi archive voice. That is, that is from a radio, uh, telling from in the 1940s when he, uh, you know, before the days of, of TV, people would sit around and listen to the radio and hear those, you know, those types of uh, stories be told. And Bela Lugosi uh, was was one of them. So he's got another really good voice, but a strong accent. So, What about you, uh Haragal? Anything that you like about this?
2: Yeah, there were definitely things that I liked about this film. Obviously, the choice of narrators for each one of the pieces, the fact that they – Decided to make a film highlighting Edgar Allan Poe's work uh, was great. And then to kind of combine that with animation obviously would be a draw for younger people to be more familiar with his work. So I really like the idea of it. Um, I, you know, I, I think I, I agree with you, Mark. Um, Follow the House of Usher was to me, I think, my favorite, the most well rounded, the best represented out of them for me personally um as far as Christopher Lee's narration was completely amazing and i really liked that particular animation as well so th- i would say that's you know that's my favorite I, I i like that they tried to have this idea of interconnecting with the what should have been a raven or was supposed to be a raven but looked like a crow Representing mm-hmm. him, I mean, I, I, I like the concept, but I think that it just kind of fell flat. But I liked that idea. So that's that kind of pretty much wraps up my, my likes. Oh, and what you did mention earlier, that – um was that in Master of the Red Death? Uh, where they, they purposefully drew um basically Vincent Price. <laughs> so that was really cool.
1: Yeah, that's what I was saying. I thought that was really cool and and definitely a, a tribute, you know, cuz he was in a lot of adaptations of uh, of Poe's work. So
2: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And you know, I understand um if you do have kids and you're trying to get them into Edgar Allan Poe or whatever, definitely there there are some things here that that might help you to do that. But there is some stuff in the last one that that's pretty um you know, so there's some nudity, and <laughs> there's oh sort of, well, yeah, yeah. yeah but, I
2: guess I guess I should have clarified when I meant kids. I didn't mean like kid kids, but yeah, I met, like teenagers. You know, I think te- you know, teenagers, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> you know,
1: this might be um, this might even be something that I would show a, a literature class in high school or college, uh, who might oh, be studying yeah. Edgar Allan Poe or something, because it it might it might help to to bring some of that. To life, um, you know. But I, I thought that uh, you know, definitely the, the the strongest one was was the first one. What about you, Keith? What do you like about this? Oh, that's right. You didn't watch it. So I was going to say. I'm going to ignore you.
3: Uh, that's okay. But uh, Edgar Allan Poe. It's that's all I got to say about this. And maybe this might spark some interest in making some you know uh, full length movies out of his stories or something like that.
1: Yeah. Well, there's. I mean, there's definitely a lot of full length movies made out of his stories, but not, not for a while. Right. I mean, there's, um,
3: the Raven.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's like the mm-hmm. uh, fall of house of usher. There's mask of the red death. There, there's, there's a lot of his movies that have been made, but kind of moved away from those sorts of things. Did, um, any of you guys watch, uh, was, did you go watch the Raven? Wasn't that John mm-hmm. Cusack? Yes. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. Um, another thing that I liked, I'm the same with you, a uh, hard I, I liked the idea of this movie. I liked the, the idea of the wraparound story, like at the beginning, at the end and in the middle of each, uh, section there was, you know, there was what was supposed to be a, a version of Edgar Allan Poe it was supposed to be Edgar Allan Poe, uh, a, as a, as a crow or a raven, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and he's, he's, Visiting the graveyard and he has a conversation with a statue that represents death. And um, I think that that was cool, but I'm going to move into some dislikes because not only was it what it's like, I think it was a sort of a dislike as well. Um, I think there were some things that the crow was saying that I don't think like Edgar Allan Poe would say. I I think I think he was a little too casual Mm -hmm. in his delivery and in his I mean, Edgar Allan Poe was was a poet, you know, Um, and I I don't think that they really accurately. And I I don't think that the voice that they used, uh, I don't even know the guy's name. His name was uh, Stephen Hughes. I don't know who he is, but I, I don't think. I mean, maybe, maybe Christopher Lee would have been better for his, his voice. I don't know. I just didn't, didn't feel like that represented Edgar Allan Poe. I also did not really enjoy the voice of death. I don't know. I thought it was a little too, uh, maybe, maybe, and don't, don't hate me, but maybe it was because it was a woman.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree. It was a little, little too peppy and sweet unless they were purposefully doing that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To try to make it seem, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, and, I, I don't know. And I, and I understand, you know, this is a wraparound story. It's 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 talking with Poe about you know why why Poe has such a an, uh, uh, an obsession with death and and with suffering and those sorts of things. And and I understand all that. It's a good idea. I just it just didn't didn't really work for me uh any other dislikes for you horror gal
2: oh yeah unfortunately uh my 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 number one dislike about this entire thing was the sound and when i say the sound i mean everything about it now i do understand that like bella lugosi's narration was taken from very old tapes and that sort of thing i'm not talking about that you know analog type sound or mono versus stereo I just mean literally muddled. Um, there was either too much too much effect or reverb, or I mean, it was just it was terrible. I mean, I'm maxing the volume, and I'm still saying what? And I have really good hearing, and then I'm rewinding, and I, it it was just it was so irritating through the entire thing to me that um, I just that the sound was my my number one dislike. It was it was awful. Um, the transitions I felt were way too stiff and abrupt Mm -hmm. and I, I didn't like that. Um, I felt that there could have been a nice flow that they could have done to it. Um, but they were just very stiff and very abrupt and I I didn't particularly care for that.
1: And didn't, I mean, a lot of it was just, it almost just blacked out and then went into the, the next, I mean, not all of them, but. Yeah, I I agree. There wasn't it, much. Flow. It was like yeah, it
2: was like non. It was like non-committal. It wasn't like you know in a song when you just do a drop out and everything stops and then it comes back with a bang. They they didn't like fully commit to anything. It just kind of was kind of stiff and abrupt. And then then I I don't know. I just I personally didn't like the transitions between the stories. Um, I didn't really feel that the way it was done enhanced his material. I mean. I don't know. Maybe maybe the sound for me just really had me over everything from the beginning. I don't know. But a couple of the the uh oh what was the last one? The Oh, the the mask pit in the no, the pit in the pendulum.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. The
2: CGI it, um it, it was like it, a bad I video mean, game. Oh my god, it was. And I, I mean I I couldn't get past that it, it it because it was so each style was unique and some of them you know fell a little more flat and some of them were were a lot better like Fall the House of Usher but I felt like that one was just completely removed from everything else and I thought what is this like Tomb Raider or something from I don't know it was very mm-hmm. strange to me and so I. I didn't really like that, and I felt like with everything they had to work with, with the artists, with the concept, with Edgar Allan Poe's work, and with the the narrators, um, and you know whether it be like Bella Lugosi where they were using you know stock reels, or whether they were having you know Christopher Lee come in and do this, with everything they had to work with, I just felt like it could have been so much better. Yeah. So
1: yeah, and I'm I'm agreeing with the uh, the transitions. I mean, I I think maybe just a good idea is that like the Raven would would fly into yeah. whichever story, you know, and, and be a part exactly. of that story, like in the background or whatever, and then go back to visit. I, I don't know, but I, I agree. It, it just, it was kind of choppy. Uh, I definitely didn't like that CGI, you know, pit in the pendulum mess. I, I'm not sure what they were thinking there. It just didn't look good at all. Uh, it, it looked, it looked like a, a cheesy, like, you know, mid two thousands video game. Yeah, and and uh, I I, uh, I didn't really enjoy the Telltale Heart. I, I know that it was. Uh, I mean, talking about the animation, I know it was sort of like Sin City ish, like kind of just black and white.
2: Yeah, like kind what? of like a like a rough comic, like almost like a storyboard for for something. just
1: yeah. raw, which, which is okay, but they also like. When the three cops showed up, they they all looked like you know Agent Smith from The right. Matrix, which <laughs> didn't fit with the story at all. I don't know, but um, yeah. So there, there's sort of th- But I did. I want to give credit. I, like I said, I, I like the first bit of animation. I like the animation um, in the the third one. Uh, it looked very comic booky. Uh, I kind of liked that, and I really liked. Even though I didn't like the choice to not have any narration over *Mask of the Red Death*, there was only one word spoken in that, and it was spoken by Roger Corman. Roger
2: Corman, yeah.
1: Um, I thought it looked great. I thought it looked very like dreamlike, very like watercolory, oil paintingish, mm-hmm. uh, and, and uh, I thought it looked looked good. But I just thought it needed some. Some narration, I really do. Right. Um, uh, so, you know, it, it it is really something that was a good idea. It was something that uh, I'm 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 glad that you know there are people out there trying to do things like this, but I, I don't think it was a success. And uh, I'm interested to hear what what Walshy thinks about it. So when he gets back next yeah. week, we're definitely going to ask him.
2: Yeah, and I mean, especially given that Vincent Price did, you know, how many Edgar Allan Poe pieces. I mean, they, they didn't even try to obtain anything of his to use or anything. They just drew a character to look like him, which, hey, that's great. You know, do it, please. Anything yeah. to keep, you know, Vincent Price in there. But the the sad part of that is is that, you know, no one except for people who already are very familiar with Vincent Price are going to notice that. So I was kind of shocked that there wasn't something – of, you know, of his in there in used somehow.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I'm sure that probably has to do with uh, money mm-hmm. probably. Um, yeah, that's true. Not, not being able to get the, the rights to use it because I'm sure there's ample uh, material out there. But um, yeah, so let's let's go ahead and rate it because I, I don't really have a whole lot more to say about it. I mean, if it's, if this is something that you, if you like Edgar Allan Poe stories and you want, you know, a, a visual, uh, I know a lot of people on YouTube, there'll be some of his stories put to different videos and stuff. Some of those are, I hate to say it, a little better than this, or some of these um, shorts. But if you like Edgar Allan Poe, you like animation, it's something worth checking out. One of the things about this and about Edgar Allan Poe literature. It's not just easy reading. You know what I mean? It, right. It's stuff that you you have to chew on. Yeah, it's heady. It's very heady. Just the language he uses, very poetic, um, and that's why I love reading those sorts of things. But when you're watching a, a visual, and then you're having to to kind of process what you know is being said to. It, it was, I almost felt like it was work to, to I, really. I
2: agree. Yeah. I agree completely.
1: Yeah. I, and and to, to be fair, I watched this three times. Oh my God. I really did. I watched it three times because I, I felt the, the first time I was just not into it. And I was like, you know, well, I like some of the anime. Let me try it again. And then I really sat down and <laughs> put the headphones on and really listened and and, and I just felt, I I felt exhausted afterwards. Mm -hmm. I I agree. And it
2: was short too. It's only like an hour and 13 minutes, but it felt so much longer to me for whatever reason. So,
1: so, but if you like those sort of uh, stories and that wordy that headiness and you you might, you might enjoy this, but I'm going to give it a four out of 10, uh, four skulls out of 10. Um, There are, there are some creepy parts, you know, in, in a couple of the stories that that Poe is is famous for, but it's it's not it's not scary at all, and it's not um, it's not overall a, a, a success. I think so. Four out of ten. What about you, Argo?
2: I'm I'm close by you. I'm giving it a five out of ten just for the fact that at least um, they did think to utilize you know Christopher Lee, Bella Lugosi, Guillermo del Toro, Roger Corman. You know, I. I appreciate that. And the fact that they wanted to do this film and highlight Poe's work. Um, but beyond that, I just, it just didn't work for me. And the sound, the, the oh
1: couldn't God, get, couldn't sound, yeah.
2: that's, I, you know, I, I mean, that was just really a killer. Right, right out of the gate. That was really a killer. Some of the levels were way too low in the beginning. And, you know, and it just, it, it, like you said, putting all combining all these factors together, if that was the only thing, but it wasn't, there were a lot, and it became like work, just mm-hmm. like you said. And so, I give it five out of ten skulls. Do not purchase yeah. rent if you're super curious or a huge Edgar Allan Poe fan and you just want to see this. Um, if you're a big Christopher Lee fan, um, definitely because that was the last thing that he did. You'll want to see that. Uh, but you know, maybe just watch Follow the house of Usher. I mean, both of us, that was our favorite. So
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I was going to say that just, just, <laughs>
2: yeah, you just know, watch
1: I mean, the first, <laughs> the first shorts about 10 minutes yeah. long and then, and, yeah. and then turn it off and be like, "Wow, that was, that was okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, that is our review for extraordinary tales, 2015. All right, Horror Guy, why don't you tell us uh, on our next episode, what two movies have you picked?
2: We are going to be doing some classic haunted house type ghostly stories. Um, the older movie will be The Changeling, and that is starring George C. Scott. Mm. Not, not, not the movie The Changeling with Angelina Jolie or whatever. Okay, no. The Changeling.
1: Don't <laughs> watch that
2: I think it was. Was it 1981? Am I wrong? It's
1: 1980 or 81. I think. Yeah. It's, it's,
2: and then uh, we are still here from 2015.
1: Very good. I'm excited about that. I love. That's one of my favorite things, man. Haunted house movies. One of my favorite things. All right. Well, here, Horror Gal, why don't you uh, tell our listeners where they can find you? Give them your uh, your information so that they can uh, contact you.
2: Okay. Well, on YouTube, uh, I am Horror Gal. And if you are typing it in, it's youtube.com forward slash horrorgal Susan, or you can just search for horrorgal. Um, Twitter, HorrorGalSusan. Susan, Instagram, HorrorGalSusan. Susan, uh, horror amino, I'm HorrorGalSusan. Susan, just pretty much HorrorGalSusan Susan everywhere. Uh, my email is HorrorGalSusan Susan at gmail. And, um, <laughs> and there you have it. And horrorgal.net is still not launched yet because I'm slow. But hey, um, so that's pretty much where you can find me.
1: All right. How about you, Creepy Keith? You can normally find
3: me in the uh, streets of uh, Baltimore metropolitan area (laughs) on uh, certain days of the week during the nine-to-five hour shifts. Now, actually, if you want to check out my podcast, which is just another, A-N-O-T-H-A cast on Podomatic or iTunes.
1: There you go. And uh, Keith likes to talk uh, countdowns about uh, music and movies and stuff. And uh, uh, I like anything with countdowns and lists. I'm a sucker for. I'm sorry. Let's just check the way out. I am. Yep. Check, check out
3: episode out. four with our special guest Mark Nato. We talk sorry. about our top. What well, was top twenty? But we had to split it in half, so it was more of a top ten between the two of us of our most played movies out
1: of our own collection. Yep. And I was forced by Keith to not include any horror movies.
4: <laughs> oh, man. Uh,
1: no, no, no. He did that. That
3: was all him. He, had, <laughs> no, no. he did have honorable mentions. He did throw them in there. Oh,
1: okay. Because <laughs> because if i had done that, they'd have been all horror movies. They'd so. have been
4: all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah, so, right. Um, all right. Well, listeners, if uh, you want to contact us, we have an email address askthehorrorcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the H cast. And uh, thanks everybody that's been uh, getting on there and, and uh, communicating with us and, and retweeting and, and uh, following us. We appreciate it. You can also check us out on our Facebook page at the horror cast. And there's been uh, a lot of good conversation happening there. And uh, we really, really, really appreciate it because, you know, if you, if you don't hear anything back from listeners, and you don't, you know, know that people are listening, you don't know that, uh, you know, you are being part of somebody's life. It, you know, kind of hard. So we enjoy knowing that you guys are listening and want to have the conversation. We love horror movies, and 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 uh, we just want to get that conversation started. So again, join us next time when we review mm-hmm. 2015s. We are still here in 1980s. The Changeling. Uh, Walshie will be back with us and, uh, until then we're all killer, no filler, stay scared. You don't sound like Casey Kasem. Shushin, do I sound like Casey Kasem? If you do Casey Kasem, I'm going to do the Bill Cosby. <laughs> like, 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 do your, do no, your. Shaggy. Only if you say pudding pops. In the jello yeah, pudding time. pops. All right, here we go.